Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Dr. Oblivious, a podcast idiot. I am your host, Brian Geller, DC, chiropractor extraordinaire out of Buffalo, New York. Today's guest is Nate Harvey, former collegiate strength coach for the University of Buffalo, powerlifter, elite FTS employee, and more importantly, and recently published Conjugate U author. But we go into you know detail on all of those things. Uh, Nate is somebody that I would once call an acquaintance, now somebody I can call a friend. We used to train somewhat alongside each other at Absolute Performance in Williamsville, New York, along with Paul Childress and Joe Doherty, Westside Barbell guys. Paul is a former collegiate strength coach as well for uh, University of Buffalo, as well as the private sector, which we talk all about in this podcast. Nate is a really good guy. Um, I'm really, really glad he came by. I feel really honored and privileged to get to talk to him for a little bit. I'm sure he'll be back on and we'll get to talk about some more stuff. His book is great. It's not a pretty-looking 12-week program to follow, uh, working up to a one-rep max. It's a really efficient way of thinking uh, about how you train your athletes You know, as a coach, about how you can vary some things in the gym, vary some things on the field and court and whatnot. I think it's just a really, really good way to apply some new ways to think about you know, your training. Um, Nate came by. He brought me an Elite FTS shirt, which I'm really grateful for. I think it would have been cooler if he maybe brought me like a, a rack and a bar and some plates, but I won't complain. I really enjoyed talking with Nate, and I really hope you guys enjoy the podcast. You could find me at Brian Geller DC on Instagram, and you could find Nate Harvey at Nate Harvey 2600 on Instagram. He gives out his email um, and you know pretty much all the ways you could find him. Please, please, please check out his book, Conjugate You. I don't care if you are a powerlifter, a weightlifter, or a football player, or if you are a powerlifting or weightlifting coach, I really cannot stress how effective the conjugate method can be for you and your athletes. Um, and that's it. I'm done. All right. So today I've got strength conditioning coach, Nate Harvey, powerlifter, father, husband, <laughs> Um, elite FTS employee. Anything else? Any other credentials? I don't think so. I think you nailed it. All right. I'll take it from there. <laughs> so I've known Nate for a couple of years. Uh, we used to train at Absolute Performance in Williamsville. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's about our extent. <laughs> that's. I think we're going back more than a couple of years. Yeah. Time I, flies. That's... I started training there, what are we now, 2019, probably 2010. That's what I was thinking. I yeah, was thinking so like about nine, 2010, 2011. It's crazy. I started training with uh, Julia Leduski when they were still training at home in Chictawaga. Really? With Paul Very Miller cool. and um, and Matt. And then they moved. Well, Paul ended up going to Absolute Performance. Um, and I just kind of stuck around there for a couple of years. Did an internship there. Worked there for a little bit. And then um, just never really continued because Paul, um, Paul told me to see the door. And I did. And I never came back. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember when you were over there. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's... Um, so that's my history with, with you. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. How'd you get into powerlifting? Um, it was kind of a a thing in college, I think. We had a couple guys on the team. Um, Where'd you go to school? Uh, Brockport. I okay. did my undergrad at Brockport. Uh, we had a couple guys on the team that were like the strongest, pretty much strongest guys on the team. And they talked about competing in powerlifting a little bit, you know, so that kind of that's really where I kind of started to pursue it. Um, and then started reading powerlifting USA a little bit every once in a while. And I would always ask those guys questions, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like how you train in and, uh, just obviously trying to get stronger. What um, year is this? That was probably 98 or so. Um, but you know, playing football and stuff, I really didn't have the time to dedicate to it. Um, so it wasn't until Oh six, where I actually got around to doing my first meet. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I always kind of thought it was cool and was studying and that. And uh, it wasn't until 06 I actually uh, did a push-pull over at ECC. Was it a gymnasium? Was it equipped? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah, that's the only way I've ever competed. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I did. I think that might have been raw. Yeah, I didn't have a bench shirt then. Yeah, yeah. it was my next one that I had a bench mm -hmm. shirt and stuff. So, yeah. you remember what your numbers were? Um, I pulled 610. It was ugly. It probably hitched it a little bit, um, and I think I benched for twenty five, maybe. Okay. So, 
You so know. what was programming like then for you? I mean, because there wasn't much out there, right? Or at least there wasn't many resources. Uh, there wasn't. Um, at that time, I was on the conjugate bandwagon. I kind of got on that in my last year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, started doing it before my senior year. And then going through my senior year, like, I'd never felt that good. I mm-hmm. felt fresh. I felt explosive. Um, and then after the season, I went to test my bench. And it mm-hmm. was actually pretty close to what it was before season. Which usually, you go through a football season, you get the shit kicked out of you, yeah. you go into... You expect the drop off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, like, at that point, I was like, there's got to be something to this. You know, I, mm-hmm. my strength is there. Um, so, I was on the conjugate stuff. Um, started reading Elite around 2000. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I got into the conjugate stuff. So, in 06, when I had gone into that meet, that's, I was still, you know, doing the conjugate stuff. Um, and it was funny. That's when... You know, I kind of hooked up with Julia at UB. Paul was coming on board. Mm-hmm. Buddy was there. So I had read about this stuff for years. And actually went over to UB and got to see how it actually works. Got to see Paul train. Got mm-hmm. to talk to Buddy and Julia. And, you know, so I was kind of, I was just starting to really get the hang of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you, know what I mean? you can't really ask for anybody better to teach you. Yeah. Strength and conditioning. Really conjugate. Yeah, I mean, the group of people that I came in mm-hmm. and got to work under, you know, I always talk about it. It's been huge for me. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't lift when you were younger? When you were uh, I started when I was 12. Okay. Just doing, like, so talk about resources. Mm-hmm. Back then it was, you know, go to the local grocery store and pick up Flex Magazine mm-hmm. or Iron Man Magazine, you know, every month when it came out. So, yeah. Do workout of the month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had, we had like, uh, so my weight room in high school was a bedroom in my parents' house. And the people that lived there before us, mm-hmm. they had a little girl that, that was her room. So, like, my weight room in high school actually had, like, fairies and gnomes all over the wallpaper. <laughs> but then we had, like, pictures of Dorian Yates and yeah, all the yeah. pictures from the bodybuilding magazines. That's so, pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, so you've been running Conjugate for about 20 years now? Yeah. Yep. Can you say it works? Oh, yeah. probably <laughs> would say that. <laughs> probably, some would say i probably say it too much, but, yeah, I would say it works. When was the last time you competed? Uh, last meet was almost... It was in the fall, right? Almost two years ago. This fall, it will be two years. Um, so I did that meet, and my shoulder's been mm-hmm. giving me some issues for a few years now. Um, and at that, in my last meet, it was kind of falling apart through the meet. Like, things weren't going well. Um, and then I was, last summer, I was starting to get ready for another meet, and I tore the rotator cuff off. Yeah. So I'm coming back from that now and hoping to hit one this summer. So, yeah, you just had surgery recently, right? Well, uh, somewhat June, recently. Yeah, yep. yep. Who would you have done just to repair? Yeah, supraspinatus was torn off. Um, they cleaned up subscap a little bit, and there was uh, a slight labrum tear, but they kind of left it alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just been there for so long that they didn't yeah. want to mess with it or whatever. They're usually so. pretty self-remitting, so they leave them alone unless yeah. it's so torn that you know you have yeah. no stability whatsoever. Right. So what were you doing at the time? You know, just so you're at Brockport. Uh, did you know you wanted to go into strength and conditioning? Yeah, I kind of, um, it's weird. I Like, I knew I wanted to coach since I was, like, 14 years mm-hmm. old. Like, I started training when I was 12. Um, my dad kind of saw where my interests were. Mm-hmm. Like, once once I started training, all my other hobbies and stuff just, mm-hmm. like, I still did sports, but anything else was kind of, you know, second fiddle to training. Um, and it was probably around the time I was 14, my dad uh, kind of mentioned, you know, people can this is a job. You can be a strength coach or whatever and work with athletes. And I was kind of at that point, I was like, that's it. That's yeah. all I want to do. You know? So I bet that was pretty mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> get, paid go- to, get paid to lift weights. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what all my relatives think. Oh, you get to lift all the time at your job. That's what you do. Yeah. Okay. So you graduate Brockport. Then what, what happens from there? Um, I actually kind of got out of the field a little bit. I had a, a phys ed degree too. Mm-hmm. So we kind of moved back home. My wife had an internship and stuff. Um, uh, did that for a couple of years and down it's very, very rural where we came from and where we were living. Mm-hmm. And it was like, kind of, we kind of made the decision. Like I'm not, not going to have the opportunity to coach if we stay here. Mm-hmm. So where were you guys at the time? Sherman, New York. It's okay. down near Jamestown, New York, no. about a half hour. Yeah. Um, so it's like cows and mm-hmm. you know, nothing for miles. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't need to coach at Cataraugus high school. They didn't. And they're not going to pay for it. I, <laughs> I, uh, I coached one year of uh, high school football, which was really cool. Um, actually, got to coach at my old high school, but it was like they pay you like 
thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks for a full season. Mm-hmm. You know, which like I said, it's a great experience, but can't, can't make a living. Can't yeah. pay the bills on that. You know what I mean? So uh, we came up to Buffalo in '05, I think, and I started my grad work. That's when I started my grad work at UB, and then '07. When I was done, I kind of started. I just I just started volunteering mm-hmm. um, in the department, and then kind of stuck around. Did my final internship there, and then uh, Buddy actually offered me a job. And then like two weeks later, he said, um, "I'm taking a job at Pitt." Mm-hmm. So I was like, kind of, I was freaking out a little bit. Like yeah. I, you know, we did this stuff. We moved up to Buffalo, could barely afford the house and stuff. But my wife luckily was on board with everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, "Yeah, I'm leaving." So I'm like, "Oh crap!" You know, <laughs> but everything worked out. But you got thankfully. to spend some valuable time with him, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually there both times. He was, he was, um, he wasn't there very long. He was there mm-hmm. for like six months. You know, uh, when you have somebody that good, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to pay him what he deserves. Yeah. And, he he says the profession is like having a girlfriend. When you don't have a job, nobody wants to hire you. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get a job, everybody comes yeah. calling. He says it's just like a girlfriend. You don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> There's no girls around, but as soon as you yeah. get one, you know they're all over the place. It's a nice nice problem to have, I guess, too. Yeah, yeah. And you still keep in contact with him? Yeah, yeah. We text back and forth every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, he's out in Arizona right now. Uh, He'll probably just keep coaching. Like I can't picture him doing anything else. Yeah. That's that's what he's about. That's what he does. You know what I mean? Now, did you present with him recently or no? Were you at Swiss? I was at Swiss. He wasn't up there. Um, but no, I've never done, never presented with Buddy. Yeah, you're um, doing a lot, right? A lot of presentations recently. Yeah, about once a month, I'll go out and do a clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Swiss, which was really cool. I mean, just to get in the door and Huge actually roster. be there was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the learn to train this summer with Dave down at Elite. You know that was that was pretty neat. Um, like all these guys that I've followed and learned from. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of in the door a little bit right now, so that's that's pretty neat. I'm still kind of like uh, the JV kid just got on the varsity bus. I feel yeah, like little starstruck. <laughs> trying to yeah, I'm trying to earn my playing time. You know what I mean? But yeah, so we go out. I'll go out and do like a private clinic about once a month. We go to private gyms, um, schools. We had a really good one down in Rome, New York, uh, down near Syracuse. Oh, with uh, Autumn Swavely, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had like 40 people there. Wow. Uh, coaches coaches from Syracuse came down. That was cool. We had a couple other college coaches mm-hmm. there. So, What'd you guys do? Or what, just, was, what was the focus? Um, it's just a conjugate clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the morning is like three hours, basically. Um, chalkboard talk or slides, kind mm-hmm. of classroom stuff. Then we break for lunch. And then we'll come back and do wall weight room stuff in the afternoon. Um, it's typically, typically three hours in the afternoon. But like yeah. I tell everybody, if you want to stay there until 8, and go over stuff, we'll, we'll do it. You know, it's yeah. kind of, I kind of leave it up to them. Yeah. So one thing I've always noticed about powerlifters is they don't mind hanging out, showing people everything. I mean, I saw uh, Louie came here. He came to uh, STS, mm-hmm. STA, STA, mm-hmm. Ben Woods' gym, um, hung out all day. It was $50. Right. So 50 bucks per person is fantastic. And he was there from morning till night and we went through everything. Yeah. Answered yeah. every question. Didn't care. That's what's, that's what's cool about it. You know, I think, um, I think at some point, Somebody did that for whoever's talking. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I always had those people. Dave talks about those people. I'm mm-hmm. sure Louie had somebody. So I, it's just kind of how it works. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's a pretty cool community, really. So what year were you officially in UB? Or what year were you officially their strength coach? Uh, 07 to, I think there were 10 years. Wow. To 17. So What was what was that like? What was the environment like being there? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, It was good. Uh. You know, we're kind of a young D1 school, mm-hmm. uh, and like I said, <clears throat> when I first came in there, just like I had, we had Paul there, we had Buddy there, we had Julia there, um, we had a GA who was there, who was a very good young guy, um, one other assistant, and then uh, we had Grony too, so like we had three staffers from Elite, which at the time, you know, in my mind, I feel like Elite was out there a little more, like had a bigger influence kind of in the strength and conditioning world at that time. Um, so we had like three big names there with those guys. And then we had three other assistants who had all worked under Joe Ken. Like the one guy had Joe as his strength coach when he played at Boise. Mm-hmm. And then the other two guys GA'd under Joe. So I had like all these people from elite plus that kind of Joe Ken coaching tree. Yeah. It was like, you know, at this it's big crappy little mm-hmm. D one school. And it, it's, I just think back at the the staff we had, 
and it's unfortunate that we couldn't keep it that way. Yeah, <laughs> you know so that's, I mean? a, that's a pretty fantastic staff. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. So environment was good. Um, like I said, young D one school. Um, so we weren't getting the best athletes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Good kids. Most of the kids were pretty good. Um, but that's kind of looking back. That's kind of been some of the more the like the validation i've got for the conjugate system mm-hmm. like you put the system in place and then you start seeing kids do things that they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. and it's like okay something's working yeah. you know so what, what was the big thing you noticed with the uh athletes that they probably should not have been doing um just achieving things athletically that mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't think they could do you know yeah. and, th- and that's not just me that like we had like boosters coming in and saying what are you guys doing with these kids? They mm-hmm. look great. You know, so-and-so, he shouldn't be doing that. You know, yeah. like, smitty, skinny little white kid, mm-hmm. you know, one conference championship and 200 meters. Rob Goloback was uh, 5'9", maybe 5'10", sorry, Rob, 260, <laughs> you know, but, like, multiple All-American and a sport of shot putters where mm-hmm. they're typically 6'4", you know, 290, just kind of things like that. Um, seeing the kids kind of overachieve was was pretty cool yeah you know? and uh, there's there's a lot more kids that i could sit here and name, yeah i'm but, sure you know did you have to do a lot of cleaning up from the previous strength coach well, i mean it was buddy so probably not yeah not I, I was very fortunate um so like buddy was there um and like when paul left for private sector i kind of took over the throwers so i was kind of handed this group that you know what i mean like yeah. just basically don't screw it up just keep yeah. the momentum going um and then if there was teams kind of that would come over from another system, it was, this was more validation in my mind, you know, within a couple of weeks, they're typically saying, man, I feel really good. My mm-hmm. knees don't hurt anymore. You know, my back feels better. And then, you know, a month later, we're starting to get the same feedback from the trainers. Like, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but we're seeing less kids. We're having less back issues, less knee issues. We're not having to treat them as much. Um, and then the kids would come back, like, I feel really good, really good on the court. I'm moving really well. I feel quicker. I've never been able to jump this high. What were some of the changes that you were bringing in? Just changing over to more of a conjugate model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more box than free squatting. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I talk about box squat so much. I think mm-hmm. it's, um, and I don't know, like, I don't know if it's keeping the perpendicular shin. So more load is in the hips, you know, and taking a beating off of the knees. But, um, I think that would end it. Probably that, doing that movement right, and the amount of uh, hip and hamstring work that we did, I think was was big. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's it's one of those things. It's hard to like you can't quantify that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, I, I always say like, I wish we could. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you really can't just like treatment. Like you can't compare different mod- modalities. Right. You can't say this system. It's apples to oranges, yeah. you know what I mean? Everybody there's too many factors. Yeah, there's too many factors. But those are the things that I think think helped. Yeah. You know. Do you believe in quad dominance versus hamstring dominance, or do you think it's just kind of bullshit? Wendler always says I think it's, I think it's <laughs> Wendler. He says, like, unless you've got uh what do you say, unless you've got quads that look like fucking horse testicles, <laughs> he's like, You're not quad dominant. So yeah, I would have quads. <laughs> that's 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 it. that's a good point. Like there's this whole thing like well, this muscle group's too strong. Well, is that one too strong or is the antagonist too weak? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I guess there might be quad dominance, yeah. but is it really just weak hamstrings? Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it? Because Louis big on just hammering hamstrings. I mean, posterior chain, that, so I'm sure that's a trigger word for a lot of people. Yeah. Just posterior chain development. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those words. Um, it's it's funny. We get these uh, these terms in this industry. And to me, it's like uh, it's like that song on the radio they play too much. Yeah. Like when it first comes out, it's like I I remember when Core first started showing its head, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, it was actually cool. With like, yeah, I'm working my core. That makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like a year later, it's like don't even say that word around <laughs> me, you know. But yeah. um, I try not to. I, I always try to say torso. <laughs> <laughs> Change it up a little bit. I agree. Because I hate the term abs. Right. That's one thing, you know. And then core is another, and then I. Torso is just anything from collarbone to hip. That's what I said. You've co- yeah, you've covered it all that yeah. way. <laughs> so you were at UB for about 10 years. Yep. And then 
what happened there? You left? Um, I got fired. Okay. Um, which happens in yeah. athletics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I I would have stayed there for a long like I you know I had no reason to leave. Um, things were well. Uh, and it's funny. I was fired after we had a ton of success. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really hard to pinpoint what went wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean. If there was I. I feel like I bent over backwards to please everyone and do what I was asked yeah. to do um, because I always I always treaded very lightly because I had seen in the industry mm-hmm. very good coaches let go or whatever because this sport coach didn't like them and started complaining about them or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was all like – That was my biggest fear. That's why I never got into strength and conditioning. That's what I really wanted to do. And um, I was at UB getting my exercise science degree, uh-huh. and I uh, did an internship with uh, Tom and Paul at Absolute Performance. And uh, one night, you know, it was like a 12, 13-hour day, and uh, Tom's like, at the end of the day, he's like, everybody else is going to get paid before you do. He's like, you're expendable. He's like, as an athletic trainer, strength conditioning coach, whatever it might be, he's like, you'll put in 50, 60, 70 hours a week. He goes, somebody doesn't like you for whatever reason, they bring a new staff, you're gone. Yep. Yeah, that's for no. He's like, they don't need a reason. He's like, they'll bring in their entire family and they'll move you out. You know. Uh, yeah, I saw I like, that. Mm-hmm. I saw the family plan happen at UB too. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, man, I'm out of here. I was like, I, I don't want to do that. I'd say it's not, not for me. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. And you, you know, it's funny. Like I was always of the mindset. <laughs> like I would hear other strength coaches say, "No one retires a strength coach, or mm-hmm. or you're not going to coach forever." And like anytime I heard that stuff, I was like, "Fuck that." Yeah. Like. I'll fucking like I'm gonna do a good job and I'll fucking stay here mm-hmm. and I'll fucking show you like you're you, you know but it's funny so you were coaching everybody but what football right um so mm-hmm. my last last four years I was uh, the director of Olympic sports performance so I oversaw everybody but football mm-hmm. um, I trained maybe half those teams mm-hmm. like I had both basketballs uh, baseball swimmers. Mm-hmm. Men and women swimmers. Uh, so yeah, and then um, Gino had a few teams. Yeah, Phil was there. He had a couple teams. So yeah, I oversaw the Olympics, everything but football. My last four years. Yeah, Phil Ryan. Yeah, he was the best boss I ever worked for. <laughs> I used to, uh, I used to open and close the gym, you know, mornings and nights yeah, and stuff. Okay. And, uh, just working for him was just the best because yeah. it's kind of you do whatever you want, just show up, <laughs> yeah. don't fuck up. Yeah, Phil's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Phil's a good guy. I asked him for a letter of recommendation when I was going to grad school, and uh, he said, he's like, just get me a crayon and a piece of paper. I'll write you out something <laughs> nice. He's a good dude. Um, all right, so 10 years goes by. You get the boot from UB. Were you already with Elite at the time, or was that kind of a transition into from there? So I actually – I was on board with Elite, um, and the way that came up, I was actually with Elite for – think a few months at that point like mm-hmm. almost six months because i got on with them in february yeah february and then i was out in june um so i'd actually i'd obviously elite was a huge influence on my career and my knowledge base and all this stuff you know going back to like 2000 yeah um, i mean they were the only ones really around yeah or at least the only ones writing anything of value right yeah um so i was a big follower and stuff and you know it was always kind of a goal or like kind of in the back of my head uh, but my thing always was, well, what am I going to offer? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so we'd kind of, like I said before, had some success. We had some really good things happening, championships, injuries down. And I kind of started thinking, well, you know what? Like I learned from these really good people early on. Like if I can take 40% of that mm-hmm. and kind of pass it on and push it out there and get it out to people, that's a really good value. Like, like I can bring some value to people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I actually... It was at that point I was kind of starting to think about the book um, and actually getting my shit together and get it done. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about trademarking the name. So I called uh, Matt Goodwin, who was their director of sales, who did our weight room. Um, I said, you know, I asked him, how do you guys do your trademarks or whatever? Mm-hmm. And uh, he texted me back. Dave's going to call you in an hour. I was like, oh, shit, you know. Dave's calling me. Um, Have you talked to Dave prior to this or not yet? No, I never talked to him mm-hmm. before. Um, so I was like, "Whoa, fucking boss man's gonna call me," you know. Um, so he called and was we were talking and he uh, spent like an hour on the phone with me, just talking about business stuff and you know 
a lot of different things. And he said, he was like, you know, I'm kind of glad you reached out because we've kind of been looking at you for a little bit, but we're not sure like what your place would be, what you're looking to do with us, what you want to do for yourself with us. Um, he likes everybody to have, you know, like two things, like, what are you going to do for our company? And what are you going to do for yourself with our company? Mm -hmm. So he was like, kind of write up like a little proposal or whatever and yeah. send it back. Um, and then, so I got on in February. So was on for six months, um, as a sponsored coach on the site before ending at UB. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so it was that summer elite has, um, underground strength sessions where mm -hmm. the coaches and athletes come to elite, just kind of hang out and train for a couple of days. Um, and I really did like, I wasn't sure what my next step was. Um, but I told my wife, I said, Hey, there's a thing going on down at elite. Like I should go down and talk to people and see if I can get some ideas or whatever. Um, and Matt was down there at the time. And he says, uh, we might have a, we might have a spot opening up. Would you be interested? Mm -hmm. I was like, absolutely. And I go, well, what is it? <laughs> and he goes, well, I want to expand our sales department. And I go, I'm not really a salesman. <laughs> he goes, don't worry about it. Like just use your knowledge and help people out and everything will be cool. Um, so he said, the only, the only problem is we can't really get it going for a few months cause it's new and we're moving into the new building and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, but my pay from UB runs out in August. Is there anything you can do to kind of push it along? He said, well, we'll work on it, you know, just mm -hmm. hang in there and we'll get you on. Um, and then, uh, Charlie Carstead over at full circle athletics, I seen on uh, Instagram, he was moving to a new location. He was out in, at another spot in Hamburg at the time, mm -hmm. like in a warehouse, yeah. you know, doing the baseball stuff. Um, but he said he was going to put in a weight room. I was like, Hey, don't tell anybody, but I think I got this job. I said, I can help get you some equipment if you want. Yeah. So, um, he was like, actually like my first big customer. And, uh, so I got that order and I sent it to Matt. And at that time he goes, okay, we need to, let's get this thing rolling. Cause and, like the big thing was like, Dave wasn't really on board having an outside salesman cause it had never really worked out in the past. And he's like, we got to kind of make sure he's cool with it. Um, so at that point he says, okay, come down. We're going to get you set up. And anytime I would kind of ask him, I'm like, Hey, is Dave on board or whatever? He would kind of skirt around it or not. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I get down there and, uh, they were having pizza that day for lunch mm -hmm. and I'm in the meeting room. We're getting our pizza and Dave walks in and he goes, oh, Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> and at that point I, realize that matt has not said anything to dave about this <laughs> position yeah um so i'm like oh you know just came down to hang out with matt go over some stuff you know get a lift in while i'm down here and then uh so we're sitting there eating and matt's sitting to my right dave's wife tracy comes in she sits down on the other side of the table and she's eating and at this point I basically just have my face buried in my plate, trying not to make eye contact <laughs> with anybody. Um, cause, and like, I had only met Dave a couple times at this point, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I still didn't really know them very well. Um, and of course she says, so what are you doing for work now, Dave? <laughs> and I kind of, I glance over at Matt and I'm just thinking, dude, are you going to say something at this point? Uh, and I was like, well, you know, I'm uh, actually... Matt and I are kind of working on maybe some sales stuff. We're talking about, you know, I'm kind of learning some stuff from him and just kind of hanging out in town. And he finally chimes in, Hey, Nate, you know, just got this gym up in Buffalo that wants to buy some equipment. Da, 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 da. And she was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And so it kind of, what happened was after lunch, I went out to train and then it was actually like, I got, apparently Matt said that they actually said, well, maybe we should bring Nate in to help with some sales mm -hmm. stuff. But he came out after lunch and I was like, you motherfucker. I knew you didn't say anything. It's like, how could you do that? He's like, don't worry about it. It worked, you know? Yeah. So no, that was, that was kind of my transition into elite. And then I've been counting my time as a coach. I've been there two years, I believe now. So, okay. Yeah. Now do you offer online coaching or is it more of just, uh, yeah, I do some online stuff. Um, I'm trying not to, I don't want to do too much of it cause yeah. I don't want it to, I want to do a good job with it yeah. is, the, is the first you thing. You want to take on too many. Yeah, I don't I don't want to get saturated and, and not do a good job with everybody. Um, so I have a few few clients. Um, I actually, all my clients right now are repeat clients. Uh, I got a couple guys that have been with me for almost a year. So mm -hmm. it's, um, I was kind of hesitant because my, my first thought was like, how the hell is that? How's that work? Like, yeah. you know, 
But then I kind of thought back. I was like, you know what? When I was first kind of getting into the conjugate stuff, if I had someone send me the training and then I send them my videos and they kind of critique what I'm doing, it definitely would have helped. Yeah. You know, because like when I first started at UB and saw those guys training how the movements are supposed to be done, mm -hmm. kind of thought back like how much coaching and just doing the movements right, how much it helped our athletes. I was like, that could help some people. So, yeah. you know, I went ahead and did that. So, yeah, yeah it's going well. It's cool. I like it. So I was going to actually save this question for later, but I figured I'll get this one out of the way. How do you feel about online coaches in general right now, about the current current climate in online coaching? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like anything else. I'm sure there's some really good stuff going on, yeah. and I'm sure there's some just poop, you know. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard... I haven't heard too many horror stories, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's, but I hear people that are a little more involved in it than I am. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you just send, you like, you send someone an email once a month and you charge them a hundred bucks a month. Yep. Like, uh, it's, I've heard some stories uh, pretty recently on, uh, on Reddit, people would steal other people's programs and I mean, everybody <laughs> gets caught eventually, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. It's <laughs> the cream definitely rises, whether it's good or not. Yeah, people uh, people find everything. That's out, crazy. So. Yeah, with the internet, there's there's no hiding yep. anymore. You know? yeah. yeah. So when did you release Conjugate You? Uh just over a year ago. Yeah, right. It's been super successful. I mean, it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. It's been it's been doing well. Not as much as we want, but it's <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's doing well. I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going to happen with it. You know. Yeah. Um Do you think people are still skeptical about enforcing Conjugate method with their yeah, athletes and definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, there's the I don't know if it's the powerlifting stigma mm -hmm. or or what the hesitation is. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I understand everybody learn from different people and they have their different beliefs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I I get it, but I just um I wish more people would use it because I've seen yeah. how powerful it can be and how how well it works. And yeah. The like the biggest thing is like the kids feel better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they don't feel so banged up and they do better in their sport. Like. Mm -hmm. That's our job. Yeah. You know, I, I would like to see more people doing it. You know? Kind of an easy one right there. Why not? You know, I mean, you don't have to bring in the whole program, right? You got to at least bring in some values. Right. Exactly. What would you say some stuff that they should at least consider bringing on? You know, at least some of the principles, some of the values from conjugate. Um, box squat. Yeah. Uh, I think speed work is a big help. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the, I, there's the argument. Young lifters don't need to do speed work, but in my mind, like, why wouldn't you lighten it up, teach them to move fast, mm -hmm. teach them to be more proficient at the movement. So when they are going heavy, they're not mm -hmm. kicking the shit out of themselves. If I am doing speed work, it's, it's, they're going to get a training effect. Yeah. You know, people say the younger athletes, um, can't produce the force mm -hmm. needed. Well, they have to teach, like, that's a skill. They have yeah. to learn that. So it all kind of snowballs. Within a couple of weeks, they're pushing on the bar hard. You can see it. So, um, so box squat, the speed work. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of max effort work. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a huge benefit to that that you don't get from other methods. Yeah. Now you have you got to build the kids up to that. Yeah. You can't, you can't jump just... you can't jump right in and start doing one, one rep max stuff. But if you can get them to that point, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of value to yeah. it. Yeah. Teach them how to strain at least. Right. Exactly. Uh, kind of like, like Louis says, like fight or flight, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the other thing is like the max effort stuff. It's max effort for what they have that day. You know what I mean? I'm not working off percentages that they did two months ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's low volume too. It's seven sets and done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think it, I think it saves wear and tear on the kids. Yeah. It's definitely know? one of the big things I took away from your book is seven sets. Try to get, try to get my top set within that. Yep. Seven. I mean, I feel good. It takes me sometimes 20 minutes to, to get the max effort movement out of the way. And I mean, I'm in and out. Yep. So it's been, it's been good. Um, I've run conjugate. I mean, alongside Paul, when I was lifting with him, I was hurt every week. I mean, I just never made conjugate work for me. Nothing against, you know, the guys that I was training with, but yeah. I just never made it work for me. So I knew conjugate worked, you know, I, I've listened to everything, every podcast Louis put out, I've read the books um, and I just never made it work up until I think your book was kind of like a, it was just easier, you know, it was just yeah. easier to digest because you weren't, it wasn't a West side book. It wasn't, you know, conjugate for West side. It was conjugate. 
And, yeah. Uh, that made a big difference. So I've been running conjugate now for a couple months. And I mean, it's, it's just so much easier for me, you know, cool. so much better. You feel better too, right? A ton better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now if I do have some nagging injuries, I can work around it. You know, uh, the big thing I've noticed about conjugate that I feel like a lot of people don't want to deal with is, uh, there's just so much information about the conjugate, you know, method and, some people just have really bad anxiety, like training anxiety. You know, they need everything written out six months ahead and right. everything's got to be percentage. Yeah. Speed work is confusing. Bands are confusing. Chains are confusing. Yeah, you're right. And then, uh, I mean, Louie always says, he's like, you just have to keep going until, until you make it work for you. It's going to take months, if not a year or two, before you realize I can't squat with bands every week. I can't do this with chains every week. Yeah. You know, you need to know what beats you up and what makes you feel good and what makes you strong. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of one of my clients. Um, he, we went for close to a year, maybe maybe forty weeks or so. I mean, he was making progress, but then it's like once we hit got to almost close to a year, mm-hmm. things really started to click. Like the, it, it sometimes it takes a while for like a squat stance. We changed a little bit, yeah. but now that he's got it the momentum's going and things are kind of taking off. So it, it takes a little time sometimes, yeah. like you're saying. Yeah. I've noticed the uh, people are afraid to change a lot. Powerlifters, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, definitely athletes too. They're stubborn. I I guess you could say that about any athlete. Yeah. Pretty much every athlete is stubborn. Yeah. We're a coach. <laughs> um, at the last gym that I was training at, we had a lot of uh, raw USAPL lifters and if their squat sucked, what did they do? They just squatted more. If their bench sucked, they just benched more. If they deadlift sucked, you know, so yeah. on and so forth. And, yeah. and I'm like, what would Louis say? You know, <laughs> why not build up what the hamstrings? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, why not build up the triceps? And, you know, why does everything always have to be just the big three? And um, that's been a big thing. I treat a lot of powerlifters, a lot of athletes. And, you know, they come in with pain. I'm like, what hurts? Well, it hurts when I squat. So then why the fuck are you squatting every week if it just keeps hurting? You can do a thousand other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Build all the muscles that make your squat better. So when you go to squat in a month or two or whenever you're, you know, whatever injury it is, it's usually disc, you know, they'll right. hurt their low back pretty severely, uh, shooting pain down the leg. And they're like, well, it doesn't hurt if I do step ups. I'm like, so what's wrong with step ups? You know what I mean? <laughs> build up the hip, build up your leg. I don't care what you do. Just don't do the things that aggravate it. Right. I think some people are just like, no, I can't. I got a meet coming up in 12 weeks. Like I have to squat every week three times a week and i'm like all right like go for it we'll see what happens so your, your answer is too simple people don't want to listen yeah you know, yeah that, if it that's hurts, a big don't issue it. and i was i was part of that um because there were times when i'd run like a very linear program you know 12 weeks and then in 12 weeks i'll hit a max and something would happen week six you know i right. hurt my ankle my hip or whatever and i'm like shit i don't know what to do i have to squat right because that's what my program says my program says i have to squat three by four today if i don't then that's it right and now i'm kind of at a point where i'm just like that's okay if I can, I can't. That's fine. I went in the, to the gym the other day. My hip was killing me. And I was like, fuck it. I'll just do other things. Right. And then I left and I was fine. Yep. And nobody died. Okay. Nobody got hurt. And in a couple <laughs> weeks, you'll probably come back and you'll. Yeah. I came back a week later. Progress and I felt good. still. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, conjugate's definitely a lot of fun. But I know there's a big stigma around the whole West Side is only for. All my clients are raw right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have any cured clients and they're doing well. Yeah. Um, it, you talked about Louie and stuff. I think. Part of the problem is, like, people will see, like, a 30-second clip of something Lou says Mm -hmm. on the internet or whatever, and they take it as, like, the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, you got to squat wide. Yeah, I agree. Most people need to move their stance out some, but that doesn't mean you have to go squat wide every week or or it has to be super wide. Like, everybody's different. Like you said, you got to kind of figure out how Mm -hmm. it's going to work for you. It, there's a lot of flexibility yeah. in the program. I can't squat wide, and that's okay. <laughs> I, my hips just don't handle it, you know? Right. And that's it. I just deal with it. Yeah. So, like, you're not built to do that, yeah. so manipulate it to yeah. help you. Yeah. People are afraid of variation, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, I think people are just afraid of the term west side in general. Yeah. But I think people have to understand that conjugate is not west side. It's right. Deep. West side <laughs> is west side. If you're not there, it's not west side. That's, like... I talk about that when I go talk to people. I'm like, you guys aren't going to hear me say West Side mm-hmm. because I don't deserve to. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not at that gym. I don't sacrifice what those guys do. Mm-hmm. I haven't. You know, and that, like when I wrote the book, I thought about 
should I reach out to Louie and like ask him if this is okay or if this is crap or yeah. you know what I mean? Or like even Dave too, like, should I have Dave read over this before I put it out? And I was like, fuck it. I just got to do it. If it's good, it's good. If it sucks, then it's on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'm not even going to bother with that stuff, but you know, a lot of those guys out there though, right? Um, I've met Lou a couple times. Yeah. I know a couple guys from the gym. Um, not real well, but you know, uh, who's the one that you, Rob Goblek? Yeah. He's out there, right? Uh, not anymore, but he's like, he has a key to the gym. So okay. like after, when he was done at UB, he threw collegiately or post collegiately mm-hmm. for, I think a couple of years. Um, and he spent almost a year at Westside and like earned himself a key and stuff. So like he can go train whenever he wants at Westside yeah. type thing. You know, uh, Jake Shum, Shum? Yeah. He's coming on here soon. Very cool. So yeah. And he's all conjugate. Yeah. He's a mutant. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I see videos of his home gym. Yeah. I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. That thing's beautiful. It, so it is. I'm trying uh, for him not to come here so I can go out to wherever he is. Oh, cool. Just because I need to see that gym. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. He's, uh, he, and he was at UB. Um, good kid. Mm-hmm. Always worked his ass off. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, he, he does a good job. Um, he was with the Jets. Uh, I, I played ball with the Jets head guy. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, when Jake was down there, he's like, dude, this kid's, He's like our best weight room guy ever, <laughs> but it's just, you know, cause he works his ass off. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to think for a second, I'm just going to edit this part out. Um, do you feel like conjugate is for everybody or at least for athletes for every athlete? Yeah. Like, like if, if my kids get into training and they ask me for help, this is what, the, this is what I'll have them do. Yeah. Um, it's so scalable for what, like whatever population you're, you're doing that I don't see any reason not to. Yeah. You know, or bands and chains necessary for everybody. They're not necessary, but I think they help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you can run, you know, conjugate, conjugate is not bands and chains. Yeah. It's a varying system of training different mm-hmm. traits. Yeah. Um, it's what you do with it. Right. You know, I think the bands and chains help absolutely, yeah. but you don't have to have one. Yeah. The, um, I just saw somebody ask uh, Dave Tate a question on his Instagram. Do I need bands and chains? He's like, Westside did it for years without them. Right. He's like, and they did just fine. Yeah. So it's um, it's a pretty crazy time. I mean, there's so much good information out there. Yeah. There's so many good lifters out there. Between you, Burley Hawk, he's putting out free stuff yeah. every week about raw, con- strictly raw conjugate. Yep. Um, obviously, Elite Elite was my first resource yeah. on anything. If, I think if it wasn't for Elite, I don't know what I'd be doing. T-Nation stuff, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing against them, but, um, I mean, my brother got me into the gym when I was 15, uh-huh. somewhere around that. He introduced me to one of his buddies. He was a strong dude. And um, he was like, yeah, he's like, check out Westside, check out Elite. Yeah. Those, those were the only people really doing anything, you know, besides, like, some magazines and T-Nation and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and Elite was a different thing back in 2006, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, they just had just the biggest fucking dudes. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with it, you know, just like, this is great. Just strong guys. That's all it was. Yep. And, um, you know, and then Westside put out a lot of stuff. They put out all their articles. They had a right. couple, you know, you had the book of methods out at least. Um, yeah. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And Went down know. the wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I will not read anybody else, you know, for the most part. I love whatever yeah. elite puts out. That's, that's what, like going back to who, who I learned from, like mm-hmm. he gave me a great, bullshit yeah. detector you yeah. know like just because i because I, I was very fortunate to see like what works yeah so i like i feel like i can look at something now and say that's don't do it mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah there's only uh only two brands i'll ever wear and that's elite and tight uh yeah inzer sorry not tight inzer yeah so i feel like those are the only two companies that uh just don't bullshit you know what i mean yeah when, no when, yeah that's cool when yeah. i re- yeah when i wrestled in high school one of our coaches um he would always get on us if we wore, you know, too many brands, too many logos. And he's like, nobody gives a fuck about you. He's like, you want to support your supporters. And I feel like Elite was one of those companies that's always been about, you know, their their athletes, their coaches, their writers, people who, you know, rep their company and their equipment, their best equipment, you know, expensive. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you get, you get what yeah. you pay for. Uh, and that's like when I got to redo the room at UB, that's why I went with Elite. Yeah. You know, I knew... I knew what the company was about. I knew what Dave was about. Um, I knew that, and like the biggest thing was, there was people that actually trained like 
designed the equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, like you look at some of the other companies, um, and just like some of the stuff doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like it just looks good. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like overbuilt to look cool when recruits come in the room. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, like you can't, a lot of racks, you can't squat wide. Yeah. Well, what if I have a basketball player who's six, five, mm -hmm. he, he should not be squatting probably for the most part inside of a rack. Like yeah. he's probably gonna have to get his feet out wide, Yeah. you know, and the whole spacing, you know, just little things like that. It was like, I knew it was going to help the program run more smoothly because the just little details like that, yeah. you know. The uh, the yoke bar that they have is the best bar <laughs> ever. I've used a bunch of safety squat bars, and they have obviously the best ones yeah. so, for a reason. But um, and you always hear shit about other companies. Rogue has got some shit going on with their strongman stuff, and they're trying to coin the term. They're trying mm. to trade one, but whatever. That's <laughs> for another time. And you never hear anything about Elite except they're too expensive. But yeah, that's okay. But it, it's funny, like if you look at like the other big companies. Mm -hmm. Our like our price point on stuff is actually less. Yeah, like a lot of the companies that are real popular right now, yeah. and our our stuff is like we can do we can do everything everyone else does, mm -hmm. and probably more. And our price point is yeah. That's why like I think we have a cool niche that we could get going with high schools. Yeah, um, I mean there's there's no better look than like a high school that's completely outfitted. It, yeah, beautiful. exactly. Beautiful. Team colors and yep. logos, and you know, because the kids come in. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. Like they come in and you get more buy-in. Yep. You know. Yeah. That's just the way it is. But uh, yeah, with our price point and stuff, I think um, could be a really, really cool uh, niche for us in high yeah. schools. But so, say you've got a young kid, emails you, contacts you, he wants to start getting into lifting. Would you go right into a conjugate base model, or would you kind of get him into start maybe linear and then work your way into conjugate or not really? Um. I'd probably go more conjugate yeah. um, just because I think, I think the movements that are in popular in the system mm -hmm. are very efficient, like the box squat, all that stuff. Um, they train what you're actually trying to train. Um, like glute hams. We mm -hmm. actually get the hamstrings. If we squat to a box that's at proper depth, we're actually going to get glutes and hamstrings, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Um, I think, with the uh, the special exercises, again, I think you're training the groups you're trying to train, but you're not kicking the shit out of the kid. Yeah. You know, like I said, I think, so like, we're not going to put them right on max effort work. Um, for most beginners, we would do just speed work for like a month mm -hmm. and then phase them into one day a week would be speed work and then the other day would be the heavy stuff. Some GPP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all GPP anyway. So I think like the kind of the skeleton, the way it's set up, and I talk about this when I go out and speak to people. It's set up so you can just like plug and play stuff mm -hmm. and it's going to work. So, yeah. Um, going back to the beginner, manipulating your sets and reps and stuff, I think is more where you're going to have yeah. variation, you know. What does a typical week look like for you in terms of training? Two speed days, two max effort days? Yep. Yeah, just following the, the typical mm -hmm. typical four-day-a-week. Um template yeah how often are you rotating your max effort movements every week yeah um once i think once you get the lifter somewhat proficient at the basics mm -hmm. i think most of those movements will carry over to the other one so like if i'm if i get a kid who's kind of new and they're pretty i get them to the point where they're pretty good squatting with a straight bar I think you can start putting in like a camber bar or specialty bar because mm -hmm. a lot of the coaching cues and the movements are pretty similar. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think what helps is it's different enough. So I'm not getting overuse injuries. Yeah. Um, and just to keep it fresh. Mm -hmm. Like if, like we pretty much show up at the gym and ask each other what we want to do and yeah. do something, you know, like I, I love to train, but if I know a week out I have to go in and do this movement, mm -hmm. you start to dread it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So get that anxiety. Yeah. And, it's yeah. like, oh, I don't want to fucking do this. Yeah. I got, you know, safety bar and six chain today. This is gonna suck. Yeah. So you guys just figure it out once you get to the gym? Pretty much. Yeah. For the most part. What about the assistance work? Um we just kinda go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like and it's a same like I'm gonna back up a little bit. Dave, I heard Dave talk about this a few months ago. Um, and I had never 
heard it explained this way, but he's the way he said you should do it is pick your max effort movement based mm-hmm. on your weakness for the competition lift. Yeah. And then pick your supplemental lift. So that's going to be right after max effort. Mm-hmm. Pick your supplemental lift to build your max effort lift. Yeah. And then pick your accessories to build your supplemental. Yeah. So it's like it kind of like cascading down mm-hmm. to help support everything. Um, so I'm trying to do that a little bit more, and I think it helps. Yeah. But I just never before it was just, you know just kind of random like mm-hmm. we had, and that's the thing that's cool about the system too. Most people have the same weaknesses. Yeah. You know, especially athletes. Yeah. Once you get into like an advanced lifter, then I think you got to be a little more specific mm-hmm. and pick and choose. But um, for the what I've done accessory work wise, um, I try to keep max effort days my more neurally taxing movements. So like I might pick like a pull up instead of pull downs. You okay. know what I mean? And then on the dynamic days we try to think a little more recovery based. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yep. So that's kind of the way I've been splitting it up and yeah. it seem to seems to work, but what have you been doing with the shoulder? Uh getting irritated at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually coming along pretty good. Um soft tissue work has been real big. Um the second one has been really the the repair went well yeah but just the bicep tendon and the pack and the front delt has been super tight and locked down mm-hmm. um so like the more soft tissue work i seem to see more pro- progress when i do that um so that's been big and i'm at the point now where i'm just i'm still doing max effort work so i'm still doing singles mm-hmm. um but i'm just w- slowly creeping up and doing what the shoulder can handle mm-hmm. um and then try to rehab and build the strength up on the accessory stuff okay you think there's a time and a place for doubles triples yeah so yeah yep um i've actually been doing some downsets so i'll like hit a single and go to like 75 80 percent yeah a couple doubles um i'm just i feel like sometimes people get hurt more when they're doing reps Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i'm kind of i mean it's more room for error yeah, and the fatigue and stuff, and, yeah. and it, part of my issue now is now, like I said, it's so bound up. I'm having a hard time keeping my scaps set back where they should be. Yeah. So like the more reps I do, the more out of position I get. Mm-hmm. I kind of get rolled forward, and that shoulder kind of sucks yeah. out. And so it's I'm basically following the normal template, mm-hmm. but just making it your own scaled back a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Better to hit ten doubles than two sets of ten. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no need for that cardio in there. <laughs> How do you feel about the current state of strength and conditioning? Um, I don't want to talk shit because I yeah. don't. You know, I, there's some real. I see some really good stuff. Um, but I think overall, there's kind of a shift away from actual strength. Okay. You know, I um, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we think that strength is just going to happen, mm-hmm. no matter what program or you know, how crappy the lifts look in the weight room. We just kind of figure we're just going to get strong anyways. Or if we don't understand what really strong is, or I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we're getting away from strength because to me, strength is going to make the biggest difference on your performance. Yeah. So like, that's like your meat and potatoes. I don't know if people are focusing on the dessert and salad too much yeah. and, you know, pulling away from the main meal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, that's the issue. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I did a clinic in California a few weeks ago and they did the West side uh, screening and Michael Fahey was there. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad's in Florida right now. Who's like a huge, huge West side follower has a really cool garage gym, but he was telling us about, there was this uh, college football player from Florida um, who got picked up by an NFL team, free agent or whatever, hung around for a few weeks, but then got cut. And uh, his dad knew this guy. And uh, so Fahey's dad told the kid, you know, why don't you come to my garage and train? We'll help you out or whatever. And the guy was like, cool, because the coaches were saying, like, I'm kind of kind of weak at the point of attack or whatever. Now, this was like a six, four, 300-pound mm-hmm. lineman. Um so he told us that his dad brought the guy in the gym the first day and said, okay, let's, uh, got a camber bar here. Let's squat you and kind of see where you're at. Mm-hmm. And the dude got pinned with 300 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And he was at a major university, like something, something, yeah, something's something. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I 
know that's one case, but too many power cleans. Yeah, well, they were they were big on power <laughs> cleans and yeah, snatch variations. Yeah, you know, so it's like I don't know. It's it, we need to if we if we like Wendler says being real strong will fix ninety yeah. percent of your problems or whatever. Like I I think that's uh, where we need to get back to. Yeah, I, uh, that was one of the first lessons Tom taught me at, when I was interning at AP. So what the fuck is a clean gonna do? <laughs> what is a clean gonna do for some of these players? You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just not a, not transferable. Yeah, there's no carryover. Um, how do you feel about the current state of powerlifting right now? Um, I'm not big. Like, I don't get into a lot of the politics and yeah. stuff, and I'm not a huge. Like, even when I was playing sports, I wasn't one to sit down and watch a full football game. You know yeah. what I mean? But um, I think it's cool. I think um, I feel like there's a lot of more people coming into the sport. Mm-hmm. Right? I think more people know what powerlifting is. Yeah, more than ever, for sure. Yeah, so, like, that's cool. Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to shit on those people, mm-hmm. but, like, it's new. Like, they're figuring it out. Like, we were all figuring it out at yeah. some point, you know what I mean? I would like to see more gear lifting, of course. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's what I do. WPO is back. Yeah, WPO is back. So, no, I mean, it's uh, it's funny to me, like, we're supposed to be these big, strong, tough guys, and we piss and moan and whine about some of the dumbest shit. Yeah. You know, it's like, but I guess that's anything. You know? Yeah. Old guys Absolutely. sit around and bitch about politics. Yeah. But no, I, I, I think it's cool that uh, more people are competing. You know, I see, feel like uh, we're seeing more people compete, so that's yeah. cool. I mean, Can't I don't know if there's ever that. been if there's ever been this much money in the sport. Right. Between, yeah. I mean, all like uh, the Kern Open. You know, I don't know what's going on with that now, but, um, yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah. You're seeing more and more of it. Um, when I was in California, uh, I was talking to the gym owner and he said, you can't even open a gym in their city anymore because it's so saturated. Like they won't let a new gym open up. Wow. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Get more people lifting. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, a couple more questions. Favorite hate breed album. And why is it satisfaction? <laughs> All of them. You can't pick yeah. one. Uh, I was t- I, Wendler turned me on to Haybreed. Yeah, actually. Um, back in '04, and I had this is when you had CD players. And yeah, cars. yeah. Dude, like that CD never left. Like for years. Satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. I mean. They're they're all good, man. Like, if you don't like hate breed, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I'll take that. I'm just gonna edit out the podcast and just have that repeat for an hour. <laughs> um, something that I ask everybody, well, everybody who's gonna start coming here, uh, what wakes you up in the morning? <sighs> my alarm. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, my new my new gig's cool, man. I, I like where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got a family and stuff like you talked about before. So I got to keep my shit together and, and keep things going for them. So that's, that's, I'm trying to do a good job by them. You know yeah. what I mean? You got a message you want to relate to anybody out there? All the people listening? Get fucking huge. That's it. We need to get back to get fucking huge. <laughs> get fucking huge and smash fucking weight. Yeah. I remember when that was all elite. Yeah. All elite posted, just the SFW and. <laughs> Dude, it was it was funny. Like, um, I and I, Vinny Dizenzo came up with that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even know what it was when I and first saw it. Hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it was funny at UB. It started out as like a joke because we had the whiteboard. It was right outside my office, so like people could see what was on it, and kids would stick their head in the office and be yeah. like, "Nate, what are we doing today?" And it's, you know, instead of getting mad because the workout was right outside of my door, I would just, I started saying SFW and they'd just look at me. What, what is that? I go smash fucking weight. And they would just laugh or yeah. whatever, you know? And then, um, like I started doing those videos or whatever and we called them smash fucking weight, the yeah, SFW yeah, yeah. videos. And it was like a like a year later, like the seniors at the, like their, um, their senior banquet speeches mm-hmm. 
we would get like at least two or three kids every year reference smash fucking ways. So I was like, this is so cool. You know, it like started out as a joke, but now it's uh and I had a, like I had a um, former athlete uh, message me. He's doing uh, he's yeah. in, like legal work or something. Mm-hmm. He has SFW embroidered on his briefcase. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Did you get any questions from Instagram? Cause I got nothing. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, first one is, how often should you do a deadlift variation for lower body max effort day? Um, I've found that with our athletes, probably every third week mm-hmm. seems to work best. Um, I think you kind of start beating them up a little bit if you start doing too much of that. Um, now, for dynamic effort, I like to keep it in there most of the time. If I'm working with a group that is uh, motivated enough and technically sound enough to do speed pulls, we usually keep that in most of the year. So for speed work, almost every week, and then uh, on the max effort, probably every third week or so is a good idea. Um, and we would also, I think it's a good idea to try to vary your stance. So like if I, if I squatted wide, the week before, and then I come in and I'm going to do a pull variation, try to do a close stance. So mm-hmm. you're getting more variation there. Um, probably the same thing for a lifter. Um, yeah, I wouldn't go any more often than that. Heavy, like every third or fourth week. What should I do when I can't reach depth in a wide stance squat without stretching? That's that's really general. Uh, without seeing a video or something, it's kind of tough. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm I'm gonna guess that this is like a newer lifter, and they're just starting to mess around with a wide stance. Mm-hmm. Um, start uh, creep your stance out slowly. Don't just go out wide on week one where it's uncomfortable yeah. and ex- expect to hit depth. Um, you just keep going at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm. I'm just by the way the question's written, I'm guessing that's like a newer lifter who just went out wide and mm-hmm. it's not working. So work your way out there slowly. Start with a box. It's easier to learn that way. Same question five times. <laughs> Why can't colleges conjugate? <laughs> um, I think they can. I just don't think they want to. You know what's funny? Like, <clears throat> like when I was a college coach, I would like bag on the private sector a little bit. Yeah. And that, like, now that I'm on the other side, I'm seeing the private sector side of things. And it's like, I mean, I guess there's good and bad coaching on both, but I see, I hear a lot of private sector guys say, "Yeah, my kids go to college and they get worse, and they get slower, and they get hurt more, and they get weaker." So it's like, I don't know, something's going on. Uh, do you ever program supersets like heavy explosive or heavy hypertrophy? Um, I think it's good to superset on your accessories. If you're crunched for time or trying to get in more training density, that's a really good idea. Um, we typically didn't uh, superset or pair or French contrast, however you want to talk about it. Um, unless we were starting to peak for our important time of the year. So like going into conference or going into nationals mm-hmm. when we needed to draw on that to be more explosive. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to do that all the time. I think you kind of get law of diminishing returns. Just yeah. like if I'm going to, if I'm going to get ready for a meet, I'm going to do a circumax phase, right? I can't do that all year. So it's kind of use, use your resources sparingly, you know, don't put them in there until you actually need them. Thoughts on lower body training, longevity. Example, traction versus compression, Matt Wedding. Um, Matt's really smart. I really like his take on the system. Um, I think he does a really good job. I've learned a lot listening to his stuff. Uh, And we kind of touched on that earlier. Like just the way the system is set up, if you're doing movements that are popular in the system, like back extension, reverse hyper, hanging abs, you're gonna you're gonna get those benefits of, you know, um, 
the decompression and kind of traction, which I think is huge. Um, you know, you see a lot of programs that are popular with athletes, mm-hmm. and they're just crushing down yeah. on the athletes constantly for the whole workout. So, yeah, I think that stuff's big. I think uh, I think more people should do it. I right, one more. Um, somebody wrote in last night. What are my th- What are my thoughts on making athletes that have more fine motor recruitment in their sport, making them train, making them lift after their practice. So like pitchers or tennis players, you know, some people say don't have them lift before their sport practice because it can diminish the fine motor skills. Um, Yeah. Like lifting is going to affect that stuff some, but not everybody has like the optimal schedule and can do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, sometimes you just got to nut up and deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like what I would say is if you're going to follow that rule, maybe don't do it all year. Maybe you don't want to have the optimal setup all year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then like when you, when your sport becomes more important, then maybe do that setup if you have to. Yeah. Cause you know, your sport's your priority. So put that first. Um, yeah, that's all I got for questions. Where can people find you? All over the freaking internet. <laughs> um, Instagram and Twitter is Nate Harvey two six zero zero. Facebook Nate Harvey, um, and then my coaches log on Elite. I think that's it. Yeah. My email is nharvey at elitefts dot net. Um, my like even my phone number is all over the internet and stuff. So. If you need to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me. <laughs> can we confirm that Paul Childers is the body, the squatter of Elite FTS? I don't know. Okay. I can't confirm. I can't so, confirm or deny. Because <laughs> I've asked him, and uh, I don't remember what he said, but I didn't get a straight answer. I, I don't remember who I heard that from, um, but I want the truth. I want to know if, if, if that's his body. I'm sorry to disappoint. Yeah, that's, okay. that's why you had me over here to confirm yeah, the squatter, it. dude. <laughs> All right, man. It was nice having you on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank Appreciate you. It, man.